Hi, welcome back, Rob. How are you doing? Doing great today. How are you, Al? I'm doing great. It's great to talk with you. Uh, we've been going back and forth recently about workforce planning and how organizations, if they want qualified young talent that they're going to have to recruit much earlier than they think. So if you would, please introduce yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. Great. Uh, my name is Rob Sense. I've worked in the world of, uh, I think, talent acquisition, education, workforce development, and all that good stuff, really kind of labor market insights for the past 15 years or so. And I've worked with uh, my friends at Tallow for, I guess, you know, midway last year. Um, and one of the things we've been looking at is some research that goes into the demographic drought, but more importantly, what we can do about it and how important it is to reach out to early talent. You know, so we've been working pretty hard to, um, well, we've done it, uh, did a survey of 48,000 people, young people, high school and college age students to better understand what it would take to get to them and what they're looking for. And, and really this is just driving the best way to connect to them. Yeah. Well, you know, well to get into the research in a little bit, but I want to start with the, your background a little bit and set yeah. the context because you were at MZ for many years, you were chief innovation officer there. So you looked at where the world was going with regards to matching educational experiences with what employer needs were. And even beyond that, you know, what certain regions within the country were requiring where their economic development boards were putting their energy. So can you talk about the system that these young people are in and that organizations are recruiting in? Yeah. In a lot of ways, you know, the system is, uh, well, it's, it's nuanced, complicated, and sort of vast. And if we think about systems, you, you typically think about habits, right? What's your habit to go to school? You know, when you graduate high school, what's your habit? Um, and when we think about a habit, you know, if you want to take a picture of your kids, for instance, your habit would be, you pick up your phone and you take a picture of your kids, okay. or if you want, uh, a piece of toast, you go grab something out of the pantry and put it in the toaster. You know, so those are well-worn roads and habits. And when we think about how we enter the labor market, the habits are all kind of a mess or not necessarily. How do you figure out what you want to do with your life? How do you figure out where to go to school? How do you figure out what job you want? And this is where so much of our sort of this workforce and labor market conversation revolves is how do you know, how do you figure it out? And what do you do to get on the right path? And correct me if I'm wrong, based on what you just shared, these habits are well-formed over many, many years and the world has changed. The data has changed. What employers are looking for has changed and the wants and needs and behaviors of, of young people have also changed. So there's a need correct me if I'm wrong again, <laughs> to innovate and, and do things differently. Yet I, for one, don't see that level of innovation happening at, at pace and aligned with the realities of individuals and organizations. I know I said a lot there, but again, I want to set the stage because what you have contended in our conversations is that organizations, if they want qualified young talent, they're going to, they're going to have to rethink not only what they do, but at what frequency they do it and at what stage do they do it? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
it used to be, I think for the past 50 years or so, we were all benefactors of the baby boom. And we've talked about this before, where there was a really rich and plentiful supply of people. And so companies could sort of take their pick of the litter. They could put out a, an ad on any number of websites and see 30, 50, 100 or more fairly qualified applicants. And then they could pick, you know, their two favorite. That That's changed. And I don't think, you know, for the rest of our lives, we are in a situation where it's the tables have turned, where, you know, we, we are going to experience lower amounts of supply for all the demand that's out there. And so, you know, previously, if you're a young person, as you came up, you know, through, you know, high school into college, what did you have to do? Well, you had to really fight your way into getting noticed by colleges. You know, you, you know, maybe, you know, college could be selective and say, we're going to take 20% of our applicant pool or 10% of our applicant pool, or if it's a, you know, it's your largest system, you know, maybe 50% of the uh, applicant pool, uh, or, and the employers could do the same thing. They could pick just a few of the people they wanted that's gone. Hmm. You know, colleges and employers are going to be facing a new reality. Yeah. You, you say that and you and I see it. We both have young kids who are, you know, coming through this system that we're referring to yet many organizations have not accepted this reality. They might have uh, cognitively in their own minds, but systematically the organizations haven't yeah. responded in line with what we're talking about here. And so you all have done some research on this topic and you've created an early talent uh, playbook. I actually want to bring it up um, if that's all right and just yeah. show our viewers, you know, what this looks like and what the webpage is all about. Um, and you can go here and, and download uh, the report, correct me if I'm wrong. If I say correct me if I'm wrong again, will you kick me in the shins? <laughs> <laughs> but you can see here that there's research, uh, there's uh, statistics that, you know, Rob, I'm sure is gonna get into. Um, so with this is staging, Rob, you know, what are your thoughts on yeah you know, what organizations need to do to respond more effectively to this reality. Yeah. So I think a key thing here is the first thing is just to understand the situation we're in, right? So the first thing we do in the report is, you know, set the stage for what we're dealing with. And, and some of this relates back to, you know, the great work that MZ's done. Um, uh, a colleague, Ron Hetrick wrote the, uh, the prologue for the paper. And what you need to understand is, you know, if you look at the data, Right. So we're in a global labor shortage of about 85 million people, you know, by 2030. So this is from Corn Ferry. Uh, and they made these predictions, you know, years ago. And if you think about what they were predicting, they had no idea that we were about to do the, the pandemic thing, you know, for a good couple of years. And that's, that has set birth rates globally back significantly. Um, even in the U.S., probably there were 600,000 to a million fewer births than we, we should have had because of that. So by 2030, there's going to be a global shortage of labor of 85 million people. Today, manpower says 70% of companies or more are having a hard time filling their vacancies. And this is the, I think this is the most staggering stat here. Almost every nation is forecast to have a shrinking population by the end of the century in 23 nations we'll see their populations have by 20, 2100, right? So 
you know, you think about countries like Spain or Japan, it'll be rare by 2100 to meet anybody from those countries just because their, their populations are crashing. And, and so when we think about that, and that's, that's a hard thing to talk about. We don't actually, we're not, we don't grasp the full impact of that right now. Um, our population is still growing slightly here in the States, but we're, it's sort of like a roller coaster. It's peaking and it's going to start to go down and there's not much we can do to reverse it. So then the conversation turns to what do we do about it? And most of those things revolve around, you know, first getting older workers to come back. And there's a big effort on that right now, right? A lot of baby boomers have started to leave the market. And if you're 58 or 59 years old, you still definitely have a lot of good working years left. And so companies are thinking about how do you get some of those people to come back? The second thing you can do is attract more um, foreign labor immigrants. And so that's a big thing, you know, that a lot of folks are focused on. Um, the thing to keep in mind there is most other countries are also going to start to have labor problems. So they're not, you know, immigration rates are actually going to go down significantly globally. And then the final thing, and this is what we're prop we're talking about in this paper is what do you do if you're a company struggling with this? What are you doing about reaching into the next generation of people coming up? And so that's today's college student or today's high school student. And traditionally in, if we think about recruiting, that message isn't met very well in the realm of recruiting because recruiters want somebody today. And so if we're talking about a college student or high school student, well, that means maybe three, maybe two years, but more, more like three to five years, that's, that's somebody you're going to get. And, and that's really what we're talking about in this paper, how, how important that is and what you can do to start cultivating that now. You know, that's, I was really taken by this stat and I'm going to pull this, um, image up for our, our viewers is that you're contending in this research. I shouldn't say you're contending, but the research spoke <laughs> in that, uh, what 70% of people in their early talent category have already decided who they want to work for mm -hmm. 46% in high school and 24% by the second year of college. I mean, that's pretty darn astounding. And yeah. it, then it invites the question, you know, how did they make this decision? You know, what influenced them? When did it influence them? So can you share some of those answers or what you found yeah. in the research? Yeah. So this, this is based on a survey of about 48,000 high school and college age students over the past two years. So that the research is actually all driven in this sort of this, you know, the 2020 to 2022 uh, crazy phase we've been living through. And yeah, about 70% of early talent has said they've already decided who they want to work for. And much of this, if we look at what is driving those decisions, they're saying it's being driven off of brands. So companies that have built, sorry about that, companies that have built relationships with them or companies they recognize. And the thing that's most important here are missions that they, that resonate with them, right? So uh, one of the stats that came out of this is some 87% of these young people would prefer to work for a company where that they understood their mission and that resonated with them versus how much they got paid, right? So brand or branding is the thing that people recognize and they select it. They say that, that seems like a great company and whether it's, you know, 
something like a Netflix, Netflix or a Apple or something that they're, that's really in their daily life. They're looking beyond just what that thing is to what it does, what it makes, um, all those types of things. And they want to get behind what companies are doing, what they're making, how they're serving. And they, they're already selecting it when they're quite young. Well, and then, you know, this marketing is probably, correct me if I'm wrong, consumer marketing. Yes, it uh, is. Based on their product. Yep. However, this also gets into the realm of CSR, corporate social responsibility. Uh, we had a conversation uh, recently with Casey Wells, the founder and CEO of Tallow, uh, about how there's a connection, hopefully, that is becoming more aware between talent acquisition and employment branding and you know CSR efforts and how workforce planning uh, bridges the gap. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, the thing there is a lot of companies have initiatives, you know, to get, you know, especially around diversity. And so they have those initiatives where they, you know, put messages out and try to connect with people. Um, the thing that, you know, and I think everybody knows this, there's usually a fairly large disconnect between, you know, a tactical effort to fill a seat, uh, more of a philanthropic, for I'm sorry, philanthropic effort to appeal to audience. And then sort of more strategic effort to do longer term planning. And so those different sides of the house, uh, don't talk to each other as much. And I guess the thing we would contend is in this day and age and where we are with a lot of these sh shortages is those efforts should be aligned as much as possible. Um, and I guess the thing that we see work most effectively in that alignment is having those worlds think and act actually a lot like you would think and act like, um, you would do in marketing, right? So human resources are a very large bucket of different activities. Uh, there's a lot of things that are subsumed into that concept in any given company, you know, there's the internal stuff, there's the regulatory stuff. Um, but what we are sort of proposing here is, uh, is a new approach or not necessarily a new approach, but one that's realizing that as that brand goes out into the world and as this, as the, the world that you're trying to recruit sees that brand, the effort actually looks a lot like marketing, uh, in, in the same way that, you know, a company like Apple would try to market its product. Well, Apple actually needs to market itself to this generation. And what this generation is looking for is very important to understand. Um, and, and so it is, it's actually a lot like marketing a product. You have to actually have to market your company. You have to market your brand, uh, to this generation. Yeah. So this is inviting the question. And I imagine the early talent playbook, uh, gets to this is who is responsible. Yeah. Cause talent acquisition is, you know, fill in seats and, you know, CSR, uh, is you know, thinking long-term, they're thinking about things other than, uh, people and, and talent. They have, you know, corporate social responsibility affects, you know, the environment, the community in which they're doing business and a variety of other things. So when we think about recruiting and building brand with early talent, you know, who do you see having this be their job? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it does start at the top. You know, hopefully these are things that are executive level conversations at companies, just because if 
well, it's not if, because people are the most important asset to any given company. And if a company is now experiencing any kind of shortage of people, this is going to be the top problem at the company. So the mess, the, the vision and the effort needs to start at the top and go all the way down. There's different things, whether it's recruiting, like very tactical activities or workforce planning, which is more strategic, those things need to be lined up um, in the same way that sales and marketing would be kind of lined up in any given firm, right? It, uh, you can't really have a company if you don't have a good sales effort, but so much goes into having a good sales effort, right? You have to have a lot of systems in place. You have to have a strategic message going out. You have to have the branding in place. And so what we're just observing is the companies that do that are actually really effective at reaching that new generation and then developing a pipeline in the same way that you would develop a pipeline towards your sales efforts. You need to develop that pipeline towards the people you need. And it has to, it has to be more of a three to five year way of thinking. It can't just be, Hey, we need three web developers tomorrow. Right. And that for me screams workforce planning. Yeah. So, and workforce planning is evolving. It has been evolving. I've gone through many cycles like you have. It's like, okay, this is really going to stick. It's really important. It's a strategic imperative, all the language that we've heard over the years. However, with COVID and for reasons that you've cited, it's, it is a business imperative. It's a non-negotiable now. However, the processes and systems and data and insights that are used to fuel this process aren't really understood. Like I'm shocked at how few organizations know of Tallow, let alone MZ and Burning Glass and LinkedIn Talent Insights and all these technologies that enable uh, organizations to better understand labor markets and talent pools and different geographies with skill sets and, and so forth. So again, going back to the question of workforce planning, you know, where do you see that evolving and do you see more organizations having it be a focused yeah. effort, a focused job? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, just that strategic aspect. So if you're going to deal with this problem and I, I, it all goes back to, is this a long-term problem or is this a blip? Well, if we look at the data or from where I sit, looking at this over the past few years, I would say we're in a longer term problem. And if you want to deal with a longer term problem that's more systemic, then you need to be more, and that just means getting ahead of it and doing things that would allow you to deal with it, you know, down the road as it, mm -hmm. as the thing unfolds. And, you know, so I think workforce planning is a perfect place to do, to do this work. And what we're observing is there's companies already doing this. You know, I think over the weekend, the news out here in the Pacific Northwest was Alaska Airlines being able, you know, having to cancel a bunch of flights. And the primary reason for that was, well, there's some weather stuff going on, but the bigger implication was they didn't have enough pilots, right? Other airlines are sort of raiding them because they're also short on pilots. And so all of a sudden you're, you're going to feel that. That means your flight just got canceled. Why? They don't have a pilot. And if you are an airline or if you're any company who's dealing with things like that, what are you doing to deal with it? You can't just get out and post five jobs. You have to think more strategically. You have to get ahead of the problem. And so what we've done is we've observed what the companies are doing. What are they doing to deal with this problem? Because there already are companies who've been dealing with this. And it really, there's four key aspects that they're doing. They first look at 
data to understand their audience. Who do they need, you know, who do they need to attract? Where are those people and how do they start to, you know, understand them? It's not even getting their message in front of them. It's actually just understanding them. Hmm. Is you start to un like, much like an advertiser would do before you see an ad, you know, whether you're, you know, watching TV or you're, you know, online or you're reading something online, when you see an ad, most of the time, the thing you're seeing is coming from a company that actually can place that ad in front of you because they've done their homework on you. Hmm. Not right. like if you're just watching TV and there's just generic general ads, our companies or insurance, like those are just out there. But in this day and age, companies can just very specifically target you. You know, let's say you are, um, yeah, you're an HR professional or some of some sort, and there's some sort of HR tech out there. Well, those companies can target you specifically and get their message in front of you. Before they do that, they do their homework on what they need to say. So that's where a lot of these companies are starting. We have a niche group that we need to appeal to. Let's understand them. The second thing is getting that brand. It, it, a lot of it is branding. How do you begin to brand on this audience so that they recognize you, see you, and actually are interested in having a, you know, a conversation or relationship with you. And, you know, that is a funny thing to talk about in the context of HR or workforce planning, because that's not typically what they do, but that's the thing as we think about the companies that have success in reversing this trend, that's actually a lot of what they're doing. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to uh, jump in right there. And by the way, if you're listening or, or watching, you can enter your questions or comments in the chat and we can uh, field them here. And one of the questions that jumps up for me is the fact that, oh, I'm going to get relationships based on networking I'm, and the relationships that I have. But organizations or individuals rather are developing relationships consciously and unconsciously with organizations. Like I'm wearing Patagonia right here. I have my college uh, roommate, um, rose to the head of sustainability there after a 27 year career there. And but even before Yvonne Chouinard, I was like, a, I mean, I was a huge fan of yeah, this company. Like I still am, you know, so I, I've built this loyalty and I, even though no one there <laughs> knows that I'm actually, there's a couple people, but, um, that I have this affinity, it, it, it's impacted me and it impacts my, my buying behavior. It impacts now given Patagonia's mission, my food choices. Um, and you know, who knows, you know, I would have loved to have worked there at, at a certain point in my career. So what I'm getting at is, is this, is this relationship I think has been underappreciated. And what I'm hearing you say is that we have to, from an organizational perspective, appreciate it and cultivate it consciously. And then it, Again, I'm going to go back to this question, who, you know, because this is marketing, you know, is not in HR. Um, employment branding has come and gone. Workforce planning has come and gone in many organizations. And I still, if we uh, look at, you know, the job titles and scope of responsibilities, workforce planning oftentimes is someone's part-time job. Branding is someone's part-time job as opposed to a core focus. So if we fast forward over the next six, 12 months, do you see th this activity becoming someone's yeah. job, core focus? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could definitely, you know, if, if a company's feeling the pinch, you probably see more titles pop up like head of employment branding, right? And like you said about Patagonia, 
run that thought experiment for yourself. What car do you drive? What coffee do you drink? How hard is it for you to give that up? If you really like your car, if you're a Toyota person or if you're a Starbucks person, right? It is your habit. It's the thing you go back to over and over because that company has worked hard to build a product you like, has worked hard to stay in front of you, cultivate a message and understand even things like values. It's amazing when we look at the, the survey data coming out from, you know, the 48,000 students polled, things like values are such massive drivers. And so when, when you think about what companies do to get in front of that audience, they don't actually have to be, um, you know, if, if, if you're in your forties and you're trying to figure out how to appeal to a college age or a high school age student, your first inclination might be to try to get relevant and hip. That's actually, that's if you look at the data, that's actually the wrong thing to do. What, what high school and college age students want to see is actually authentic and they're fine receiving an email directed to them saying, we know that you're, we see that you're interested in this industry, which is something that Talo does is they, they can understand what industries young people are actually interested in. And then to say things to them, like we have a mentorship program, we have an internship program, we have an apprenticeship program. These are the values of our company. These are the things we make. These are the things we do. That's actually such a huge part of what the problem is between you're reaching that audience. They don't know, they don't know. High school students, college age students really don't know what make a lot of these industries tick. They do not know what the jobs are like. They do not know the people who are there and they don't understand the values and what you're trying to do. And it, so in, when you work for a company, you might completely overlook that. Oh, we just got to be something hip and relevant and cool. No, you just need to speak clearly about your mission, the, the problems you solve, and the people you look for hmm. because all young people know that they're on the i'm growing up trajectory right i'm going to grow up at some point i'm going to be 25 26 30 whatever and i think i'm going to be in that world but i have no idea where i'm going to be and so the companies and this is where the data shows it what is it 75 percent of people surveyed said they'd be more inclined to work for a company that reached out to them early hmm. Right. And then if you actually think about college, 93%, uh, if, if we think about enrolling in college, 93% of students said that they would enroll in a college that reached out to them. Wow. Wow. Those are pretty stark, compelling statistics right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, well, it's, you know, this is a topic, obviously, as we talked about, that's not going away. And there's so many other tangents that we can take that are meaningful because I, want to have you back on uh, sometime soon to talk about it from the other perspective, namely the young person's yep. perspective. You know, what, how do I nurture my career as a young person to be seen? Because uh, we're creating digital footprints. Yep. Uh, you know, how am I, you know, being, doing the work to understand my talents, my purpose, you know, what, what attracts me, you know, that's where I see opportunity for young people. So there is a true match, yes. you know, that there's not, you know, just something that doesn't work out because one of the sides didn't do their, you know, pre-work. In other and all the, all the digital platforms, I mean, tell is a good example. There's these digital platforms and you, you know, LinkedIn's been around for a long time. These are the platforms that allow uh, these connections to be made, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
you can, you can express interest and get really micro-targeted. Um, another stat that really jumps out to me is only 45% of students uh, surveyed said that they would apply to a company that they'd never heard of before. <laughs> only 45%, but then it jumps, you know, it jumps up, you know, it just completely flips where 77% would be apply for, to a company that actually worked to make the co connection first. So your company doesn't need to be Apple or Google or Netflix, like something that's really well known. If it does the work of saying, Hey, you know, Hey, Al, we see that you're interested in this. That's a lot of what we do, you know, here's the information about a mentorship or a scholarship program, or here's information about an internship we have. 93% right. of students say they think that they need an internship before they go into their first career. Wow. Right. And that's not, that is this, this goes back to emails and things that all these companies have had for many years. They, you know, it's not about developing some sort of newfangled hip relevant program. It's actually just about communicating to a new audience right. that you haven't reached out to before, but you don't need to use TikTok to reach out to them. Email's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. I'll remember that. <laughs> hey, Rob, um, how can people learn more about you and, and Tallow? Yeah, well, I think the, um, the link that you pulled up, uh, if you go to tallow.com and that's slash how to attract early talent, um, that's the, so we're just getting this paper out. We just launched it pretty much today. Um, and that's a good place to start. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Rob sense on LinkedIn. If, if you want to connect with me and yeah, we're, we're going to be talking more about this and trying to put out as much as we can about it, uh, to help companies deal with these situations. And again, connect to an early, um, an early talent pipeline that really does want to work. Yeah. Well, Rob, thanks for doing what you do. And yeah, I look forward to continuing the conversation with you over the weeks and months ahead because there's a long runway. You know, there's a lot of room for organizations to improve. And yeah, there's there's more to come. And because we didn't even talk too much about the data that, yeah. you know, Tallow uses and all that. So we're going to have to have you back on to explore this more. So again, thank you and uh, be well and hope to see you in person uh, before too long. Absolutely. Thanks, Al. All right, Rob, be well.